Hi everyone, it's Lydia and Dina, and welcome back to Retweet Podcast. Um, so if you're watching this on YouTube, welcome. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to like all our Spotify, our SoundCloud and everything. We're so excited to be starting YouTube. Um, and so for our first YouTube video, we had to have a special guest. Well, thank <laughs> you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Introduce yourself. I'm Celia. Uh, yeah. I have a YouTube called Seedling. Also on other social medias. I'm very lazy on YouTube, so. We'll link everything in yeah. our description box. Um, we also recently started a Tumblr, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I Bring will- Bring Tumblr back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We just- <laughs> We just wanna give you guys like a platform where you can ask questions anonymously, and so things that you want us to talk about, or questions, or topics, or just like feedback. So yeah, that's gonna be linked in all of our um, social medias and all of our uh, podcasts from now on. But yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and introduce today's topic, which is going to be on how to be a good ally and just like allyship in general, um, especially with like Black History Month and everything going mm-hmm. on. So um, yeah, we're gonna first just start by like defining what allyship is. So who wants to do that? I'll go off on my like definition. Mm-hmm. It's hard because being an ally in general, I think, means that you are the support to the marginalized group. Mm -hmm. But how you define support is where it gets kind of iffy, I think. Mm -hmm. Because how do you know you're supporting someone or you're just, like, trying to take their light? Yeah. And you're, like, for lack of better words, like, koaling their movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think that allyship, I mean, there was that whole discussion about people wanting to add an A to the LGBTQ for ally, which is oh like, my I god, it I thought it was asexual. asexual. I, I think yeah, there yeah. is an oh, A okay. that is for asexual, but saying. people wanted to add like or take the A as ally, and it's like I think in terms of trying to define allyship or being an ally, I think there's a problem with saying I am an ally as opposed to I. I mean, it doesn't make grammatical sense to say I do allyship, but it should be something that you are doing as opposed to just an identity that you take on, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you want to do feminist stuff in the world and bring feminism to the world. You don't want to just take on an identity, put it in your bio on Instagram, and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think allyship should be about actually doing action in the world or, like, actively listening in the world and not just... Being like, well, if I call myself an ally to feminism or an ally to Black Lives Matter or whatever it is, and just thinking, like, that's enough. I've claimed it, and that's all the work I need to do. That's interesting, because I was looking at, like, tweets on allyship on Twitter, and someone had made this tweet being like, should men be male feminists, or should they just be women allies? Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is interesting, because I think especially with feminism, like, when we're talking about intersectional feminism, like... Mm -hmm. We're not, we understand that like females are the marginalized group, but we're talking about like the different types of women that are marginalized, right? Mm-hmm. And like people who are like either agender or like et cetera. So it's hard because, speci- like, I don't know. I was like, cause to me, a feminist is just someone who believes equality in like the sexes and people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why would you just be a woman's ally? Like, why can't you just be a feminist? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think with feminism, it's weird because it's not like, Feminism is not just for women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, feminism is for men, and, like, dismantling masculinity and dismantling patriarchy serves men, too, not just women. So I think that's kind of where it gets interesting in that conversation. But then also with, like, men that claim to be, like, feminists, I feel like you get this whole co-opting the movement instead of furthering it and instead of just, you know, 
instead of being a voice for the voiceless, you can just pass the mic. Yeah. I think in a lot of instances. And I think a lot of men don't do that. And they kind of. They're not trained to, honestly. They they just. No, they're not. Like. It's true. They'll just like speak over women. And I think that's where it gets problematic. Yeah. I think that a lot of male feminists want to have that because it's sort of like trendy now. It like makes women like them more because, you know, (laughs) we're like, oh, you respect me. But really, it doesn't necessarily mean that. And I think that's a problem. I don't think that there's a problem with men wanting to be a part of the movement and wanting to help and do their part. But that ultimately, in my opinion, means bringing feminism into their circles, into Mm -hmm. their spheres that they exist in and not necessarily entering the feminist circles and being like, I'm here too. like, Mm -hmm. listen to me, because really, we don't need to hear more of their voices. I mean, it depends, because obviously, intersectionally speaking, like, (laughs) there are men who we do want to hear their voices, like, you know, men of color or like trans men, like things like that. Right. So we do want to hear their voices on certain issues. And I don't think that feminism has to only speak to women's issues. I think I've spoken about this when I worked for Everyday Feminism um, about how feminism is nowadays more about sort of ending oppression generally. And that applies to like racism, ableism, like all the kinds of isms. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of people sort of comment on uh, (laughs) videos about where I mention that or talk about that being like, well, you can't just change the definition of feminism. Like it's about women. It's about ending sexism. And I think we can change it. I think we have to expand it because feminism has been so um, exclusionary in its history that I think we Mm -hmm. have to do something kind of radical and open it up. And if we talk about all the isms, like there are women in all of those categories. So it's ultimately going to help everyone. Yeah, for sure. That's an important point that you made, though, when you're talking about men. Like, are they taking their information and bringing it to their groups? Because that's a big question with allyship. Like, is it your responsibility as someone who is a privileged group to talk to other people that are in your privileged group? So, like, for example, for me, like, as someone who's, like, cisgender and heterosexual, like, is it my responsibility to, like, talk to other people who are in the same boat as me to talk about like uh different isms like against like transphobia homophobia etc yeah i mean i think it's definitely i feel like my responsibility for if someone in my circle or someone i encounter says something that is you know uh harmful or hurtful to a group that i'm not a part of i feel like okay i should speak up because i don't want that person who is that you know, oppressed in that marginalized or oppressed group to feel like they have to speak up for themselves necessarily. So I Mm -hmm. would definitely take that on. I think in terms of just like educating generally, I think that's good, but you also have to educate yourself before you start educating other people. And it can be dangerous when you just sort of think, you know, you've read one think piece and you think you like understand a whole issue. So you just start (laughs) telling everyone how it is. And nowadays, like people just want like the hot take. They just want it to be very black and white and you know this person is canceled this thing is yeah like that kind of thing and it's it's tempting because it's like you know we can make funny memes about it and like it's it makes the world simpler in a way but ultimately things are not black and white and Mm -hmm. we have to be able to understand the gray areas and that's hard and that takes like a lot of your own energy to go and like do that learning Mm -hmm. I think I think, yeah, like, especially within the past, like, I would say, like, four to five years, there has been a huge push towards, like, being very socially aware and being, like, quote-unquote woke. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that's where you get like cancel culture and call out culture come into play because now it's kind of this trendy thing to be socially aware and to care about social issues. And then in turn, it's like, let's go dig up this person, um, their old tweets and see what they've said in the past. So it just like we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, do we want people to grow and learn? Because there's no like point in your life where you're going to be all knowing and all like woke and and not think a problematic thing ever again. Like, I'm sure I'll listen to a podcast in, like, a year from now and listen to one of our episodes and be like, you know, like, why did you say that? Just because, like, even now at the place that I am, I think I'm pretty socially aware on most issues. Um, But we're always learning and we're always, like, learning how our thought processes can be problematic because it's all, like, about unlearning what you've been socialized to know. So I just think that instead of like canceling people all the time we should try to understand them and then try to like in turn also like it's not to say that it's our duty to educate others but doing that to yourself as well and like trying to like yeah like be knowledgeable on things that may not affect you yeah yeah Yeah, and it's so important to think about the spots that you still don't know everything about and to Mm -hmm. i think we uh I mean, I think about this all the time because I'm in philosophy and a lot of philosophy is about how, you know, knowing what you don't know. And I also work specifically on ignorance stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so important to allow ourselves to grow, except I also think there needs to be some kind of limit on that. Like, you know, there are certain people out there who want to call themselves feminists. I'm thinking of like Lena Dunham. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) someone like that who it's like, yeah, okay, she calls herself a feminist some of her stuff like you know showing her body it's like a real representation there are things that she's done that i'm like okay i get it but then there's so many things that she's done that i'm like okay it you can apologize but then you just keep doing Mm -hmm. the same sorts of things over and over again and they're even sort of increasing in badness it's like (laughs) yeah she's clearly not learning so i feel like forgiving is so important because we need to let each other grow and uh, we need to let ourselves grow. And I think even when uh, you two told me that the the topic would be how to be a good ally, I was like, I, I'm not one. I don't like, (laughs) I would, I would call myself an ally, but I don't like, I don't think that it's hard to put that label of like, I'm a good ally. Right. I think like I try to be an ally in the areas that I know about, but there's so many areas that I don't know that much about, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm like, I'm sure I could be a much better ally to this. And it's about like how much and their energy and, you know, uh, accessibility to the information. Like I have so much information at my disposal because I'm doing my PhD in an area of philosophy that is very much like philosophy of race and ignorance and so I'm learning about this stuff like for my job basically Mm -hmm. Uh, and also I'm doing that as my job because I'm passionate about it but um, a lot of people don't have that so as much as I take it upon myself to try to educate people as much as I can I can't expect other people to know as much as I do so I don't know, it's, and not to say that I know everything, obviously, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah, it's just, like, it's really, it's a, it's another gray area. It's sort of, like, we need to forgive, because otherwise, I mean, if people didn't forgive me for the times that I've fucked up, which were plenty, mm-hmm. like, especially when I was on Tumblr, you know, in, like, 2012, like, I made mistakes, like, yeah. public mistakes yeah. that people called me out on, like, made a receipts page, like, oh my yeah, gosh. like, I, I remember one time I, like, put, like, Day of the Dead like makeup on like I just didn't know and 
Um, and someone called me out on it, and I was defensive. And I was like... Okay, yeah, I was going to ask, because I was going to ask you, like, right now, you're. I think you're super knowledgeable. I've watched your YouTube videos. So to me, that's why we brought you on the mm, podcast. Thank you. But I was like, I wonder if she's always been like that. No, like, yeah. Yeah. no definitely yeah. not. I mean, I wasn't... Like, my mom is a feminist. I was not raised in a very, like... I don't know, in a household that these things were discussed. So I was super ignorant until I would say like midway through undergrad. Yeah. Like which is pretty you, typical. Yeah, yeah. You two are like way ahead of the game in terms of like <laughs> I also <Thanks. laughs> But really like I did not know. I I learned so much from Tumblr. Like, yeah. I, went I did on there too, and yeah. it was just like so much information, so many perspectives that especially like going to western, growing up in London, it's so white. Yeah. So, we like, talk about that. Every it's like so yeah. and like yeah. so hetero. Yeah. yeah. It is. It really is. And you know, there's like the like my family is like middle class. Like I have so many privileges that I just you know you don't think about them until they're put in your face. And I think when I was sort of like growing up on Tumblr was when all of this stuff started to become more and more talked about. Mm -hmm. So it was the perfect like learning ground for me. Yeah. But learning means fucking up, right? Like mm -hmm. you are ultimately yeah. gonna stumble. And I remember when I got defensive in response to being called out and. You know, it just made it worse, obviously. And it really, like, took me back. And I'm sure there are people who, like, never forgave me from the things that I made mistakes about. But there were other people who took it as, you know, okay, she made a mistake, but she ultimately figured out, like, just apologize and <laughs> yeah. do better. And I did do that eventually. Um, so, yeah, I'm thankful that I was able to be forgiven because if you cut someone out when they make their first or second mistake, then you lose people who could be part mm -hmm. of it, right? Could yeah. be part of the movement. Yeah, and social movements are very exclusionary. And they are very like, okay, you're not woke, you're woke. Let's cancel you. Let's do this to you. Let's never forgive you. And I think like if your apology is coming from a place where it's genuine, not just like, oh, my publicist told me to make like an apology. You know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. a celebrity. That's why it's hard with celebrities. Yeah, yeah with yeah, celebrities it's, it's difficult. But like if you're like someone that's like on the internet or like whatever, then I, I don't I don't see the problem if you don't see the behavior turn into a habit. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you tell someone, like, this is fucked up. Like, because we're not, like, ignorance is a thing, yeah. unfortunately. And so, like, sometimes you just and, honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. and guilt is a thing. And yeah. I feel like <laughs> guilt is what manifests into this defensiveness. Like, I remember, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I was in high school. And we were talking about, um, like, religious holidays. And, like, obviously, I reek, like, Christian privilege. Like, every privilege, <laughs> like, every holiday I have, like, it's covered by school. I yeah. don't have to go to school. I don't have yeah, to yeah, ask, yeah. like, permission. Yeah. And so, like, someone had, like, brought that up to me. And I was like, you're doing too much. Like, I was like, you're doing too much. Like, <laughs> you could just ask me days off. But it's like, why would I say that? Like, mm. I was just, like, feeling defensive over the fact that someone was calling me out on, like, being privileged. Mm -hmm. So... Like, for you, have you watched um, the Jubilee, um, Do All White People Think the Same? No. Okay, so basically, video. yeah, it's a YouTube <laughs> video. It's, like, basically all these white people, and then um, there's, like, lines, and they'll say a statement, something like, um, is culture appropriation real? And then wherever they stand in the line, it says, like, uh, I agree, disagree, like, very much agree, et cetera. Yeah. And, like, a lot of people had different opinions, but I feel like when I watched that video, it was so evident that the people who were defensive just, like, reeked white mm. guilt. Like, they just felt so guilty. Yeah. So, like, how do we as a collective, like, in our different areas of privilege, like, get over that guilt? Yeah, that's hard because I do think it's part, the guilt is part of what makes, you know, all of those, <clears throat> all of those isms so like 
stubborn yeah. is that they are held on by so many other sort of psychological and social factors that like factor into them. So guilt is a big one, I think. I think it can be guilt on sort of a subconscious level even. Like you don't actually feel like I was responsible for what happened to, you know, the indigenous people or something. But there's like a guilt of like, I'm a white Canadian, I'm a settler here. And it can affect your ability to engage with that community. And that's a problem. And I think the guilt in part comes from the whole like cancel culture and stuff. Mm -hmm, Sort of holding people to like a very high standard, which I think we should hold people to a high standard, but in a way that might be, um, I don't know, that doesn't allow for growth then kind of pushes people into sort of a scared place of Mm -hmm. like I'm too scared to speak on anything I'm just gonna like step back and um, I think that's a problem although Mm -hmm. I also don't think that you know we should just like allow anyone into the movement like yeah we have to be somewhat discerning so that it doesn't get sort of taken over again by um, like white feminists like Lena Dunham or something like we don't (laughs) want her leading the way um, so I don't know what to do with her, honestly. Like, I don't know. She's yeah. one of those cases where, and there's other people like her, obviously, where it's like you have the privilege and the resources around you to know better. Mm-hmm. So, like, do better or just, like, get out, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and that's stop, so true. Like, t- because the problem is because of the platform that someone like her has, when she calls herself a feminist, people are like, that's what feminism is. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem, right? And I think, like, when it comes to people like Lena Dunham, Dunham or whatever that want to, like, if you want to be an ally to a movement, I think one of the best ways to do that is to either financially support a movement or to be able to, like, provide them with a platform or resources. But then also gets into this area where, like, you might be occupying spaces that are not meant for you, which is, like, what me and Lydia had a conversation mm, with about, yeah. like, I think it was, like, yesterday. Um, We were just talking about how, like, we want to, like, say, like, go to, like, a gay bar or, like, something like that where you can financially support these institutions. But then at the same time, it's, like, you're in a space that is not meant for you. And this is a space for, like, that marginalized group to feel, like, comfortable and to feel like, you know, they're with people that are like them. So, like, are you – like, is that problematic to be occupying spaces that are not meant for you? I don't know, because, like, we kind of talked about it also in the context of, like, the Black Student Association Mm. at Western, and they, like, have a lot of, like, Like parties and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so for the Black students, they're like, yes, like, I get to go to a party with Black students because when I go out in London and then I go to, like... Go to Jack. The bar, like I go to yeah. Jack. It's like we're definitely not going to be surrounded we're by cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean. Like you're not. <laughs> the demographic is not for you. So when you go to these parties, it's like this club is creating a safe space for me to mm-hmm. go to this party where I'm going to be surrounded by black people because that's what I want. Yeah. And then people, like other people, go to those parties too. And so, like, is that bad? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's interesting. I think that. One of the, when I was trying to think of like, what does it mean to be a good ally? How can someone be an ally? I think one of the main things you can do is think seriously about where you're taking up space, how you're taking up space. And that can mean physical space, like at a party or Mm -hmm. something like that. It can also, it can mean physical space, like on the bus, like, you know, spreading across, yeah, man spreading. Or like, (laughs) (laughs) or like on the sidewalk, I find that men do not move over on the sidewalk and I've been shouldered like so intensely that I've been like bruised from it and I'm like man like you're not leaving me enough space to walk here you want me to stop and like turn to the side it's just things like that that people just don't think about but it it can also mean like you know not physical 
um, like, you know, in conversation mm-hmm. or it's uh, a big one. Mansplaining. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the biggest. Guys, if I had a coin for every time a boy tried to explain something that me and Dina said on the podcast oh to, me. Yeah. <laughs> to me. To yeah. me. Like, yeah. Like, no. Yeah, I'm just, like, thinking. I'm, like, people have literally been in my DMs, like, saying something, and I'm, like, you just said the exact same thing that yeah, you I guys said. Think about... You just think you said it better. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or no. like, yeah. Or like we said, we hate this. And then you went forward and did that in our DMs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hate when people say this. And then you're going to go forward and like say that to me. Yeah. It's like you heard the podcast, but you weren't listening. Yeah. Yeah. And people really do not consider this. Like I find because I've been in school for so long that <laughs> I think a lot about how much space I take up in a classroom. So in certain classrooms, you know, a lot of times they're completely white. And uh, philosophy is the most male-dominated discipline of the humanities. So, you know, there's not that many women. There's more now that I'm at, like, a higher level, I guess. But, um, well, more in my specific department, I guess. But it means that if I'm in a classroom and I'm, like, the only woman, I try to take up space, or I'm one of few women Mm -hmm. because I want to sort of make myself known and make my voice heard. But, for instance, I'm taking um, or I'm auditing a class right now on France Fanon, the, like, black philosopher, psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, and uh, there are um, two women of color in the class. They're undergrads who are taking the class, and there's, like, the rest of the people are white. There's a couple... Um, white guys in the class who just just by their nature they don't think about it but they just take up more space and one white woman actually who the prof who is a woman of color had to like tell the woman like you're taking up too much space you need to like talk less um and it's because like we're talking about issues that like directly affects people in the class like we want to hear their voices and hear mm-hmm. their firsthand experiences. So, like, maybe think about the fact that, like, what you your interpretation of the text is not the most important one. And it's it's not an insult. It's just, like, we're here to learn. So, like, let's do that as a collective. And that means thinking about when it's better to, I mean, I'm not saying never talk as mm-hmm. a white person in the class, but when to listen to what's being said and when to speak and definitely don't speak over people so it's like a tricky thing but I think um it's really important to figure out where you're taking up space and how you're taking it up I think that's really interesting because like my like I think it's very exacerbated and very obvious in a university setting and in a classroom but I have two majors so I have my sociology and my and my political science and so when I go to my sociology classes mainly women um they take them at Russia too so mainly women um the conversation is very like everyone kind of has the same opinions you know what I mean like it's like everyone's kind of like socially aware and like they're like yes like we like women of color we like (laughs) like you know what I mean like it's all very inclusive and then I take my poli-sci classes at King's and poli-sci is already male dominated Mm. most of the people in the room are white males and I'm just sitting there like you just said you hate immigrants and you want us all to get deported I'm like you think that's okay to say like people really come out and say like the most blasphemous stuff in poli sci so i think it's interesting when you talk about like taking up space because i find myself speaking more in my political science Mm. classes because i'm like hey i'm here this is like like you are sitting here and you think your opinion is the only thing that matters so i'm gonna go out of my way to speak more than i would normally yeah but don't you feel like it's something that you had to exercise maybe it wasn't oh for sure i remember Mm. like in high school i never raised my hand 
it only was until this year I started talking in university classes because I would just like think over a million times oh what I was God, going yeah. to say before I raised my hand and then by the like by the time I want to say it like class is over and <laughs> then I'm like oh wow like I, it's hard yeah well, I mean we're not socialized like as women yeah. to it's confidence privilege to, it is yeah. it really is no I, I didn't really touch on this on the uh confident podcast but I went off on Twitter a little bit um like certain people are bred to have confidence in the way they speak and take up space so it's like hard when you don't you're not supported in that yeah it's yeah. like yeah. my whole life I wasn't supported to like speak my like voice mm-hmm. so why would I all of a sudden in university when I'm asked to participate all of a sudden do that yeah yeah, yeah and there's also like so much imposter syndrome among especially among women and like marginalized people in these especially in like academic settings um, I know I struggle with that, with imposter syndrome. I also didn't speak in university classes like my whole undergrad career. It was it was until I was in like grad school that I started to be like maybe I have something to say. <laughs> yeah, and it would still be yeah. like this like waiting, like sweating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no, I'm like thinking how to say it exactly, yeah. and then like shakily like and it's like now I'm I have more confidence but it took a long time and that's why when I'm TAing a class and I'm leading a discussion I look for the people I try to wait longer like give more of a time before picking because the first hand up is always a white guy it it is like it (laughs) that's so funny it's like a being an ally online like really verbally an ally and also dealing with that because I feel like yeah. making YouTube videos first of all before we like going <laughs> on the podcast we're like okay like let's go to our videos and let's see like what we should make this podcast about yeah and with your videos there's like a good group of people who made response videos. videos oh my god and your comment section is always greasy like it's always no, like, it I yeah. on your first video and the first comment is I am a white Christian male I voted for Trump and I'm proud and I was like oh, what yeah. is yeah. going so like on. one dealing with hate like that is already shitty but then also dealing I don't know like it hits a little too close to home when it's like something that you're one studying and yeah. then also you're when it's like your about. serious passion like we not that it's anything yeah. not yeah, yours yeah, yeah. yeah but we wrote an article for the oh, gazette yeah, that was so good oh thank you yeah and like the first <laughs> two comments that we got they're Uh-oh. more towards dina unfortunately um but it my point on thin privilege so it's okay but um oh, no. they were like bashing her and it's like we like she gave like solid examples and like yeah. historical like oh it doesn't matter. And and it doesn't like, matter. No, it doesn't yeah. Matter. <laughs> the first like when I first read it, I was like, oh okay, like this is kind of shitty because I'm like I'm a Libra. I'm not used to like getting like <laughs> I'm like you I take like the, I don't like rejection. I take things to heart. And then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, the thing with these comments is that they were not the intended audience for yeah, what true. what I'm saying. So I think it goes to show for your YouTube, like, I'm sorry, like, you are not the target audience because clearly you don't have the capacity to understand yeah. what I'm even talking about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, like, target audience would be 
who gets to understand. Because I was going to say, I was actually thinking about this, because I was like, oh, if someone hates on me and Dina's podcast, like, we're talking about women, we're talking about black women, like, that's our intended audience. Mm -hmm. But also, like, do I just want black women or, like, women of color to listen to the podcast? Like, I want other people who don't pertain to our group to listen to it, but when they hate it, I'm like... You're not the attended <laughs> pod. You're not the attended <laughs> audience. Like, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's hard to navigate, but anyways, but yeah. I think it's it's not even, like, the demographic. It's just, like, you do not have the range. Yeah. You do not have the intelligence yeah, it's more or so the that. empathy or yeah. anything to be yeah. able to understand. Or so the I don't humility care. to listen, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, actually listen. Yeah. And not just go on there, like, search feminism and then just start immediately. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of hateful comments that it's, like, you just clearly didn't watch the video. Like, I, uh, a lot of my videos aren't me taking a firm stance on something. It's just, like, talking about the different sides like of the Like a conversation. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I have probably my most, like, controversial video is actually just about um, the question of whether we are sort of morally required to be vegetarian or vegan. Like, a lot of vegetarians and vegans, I mean, I'm pescatarian. I, I say vegetarian and people are like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Yeah, um, I'm a vegan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it's free, I'll eat it, but And like, I was just sort of curious to think through it. Sort of like, okay, I see the reasons why vegans and vegetarians want to say like, this is a moral thing. Like we have to do this morally. But I also know that it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And there are many reasons from like, you know, relating to like disordered eating relating to cultural food like that you just wouldn't be or wouldn't choose to be vegan and um and those are valid reasons so i was just sort of being like look these are the reasons why it would make sense to say that we are but here are also reasons why we wouldn't want to say like you're morally obligated to do this Mm because then we put a whole category of people into like morally wrong or doing something morally wrong that just seems like unfair Mm -hmm. so i was just comparing them and (laughs) so many comments i still get so many comments on that video being like like, bo- it upset both the vegan community and the <laughs> meat-eating community. Like, they both seem to think I'm arguing for the other side. And I'm like, okay, none of you clearly, like, were yeah. actually listening yeah. listening to the video. So Especially vegans, man. Like, the vegan actually, community. diet? No, I no. feel like it's just diet. Like, don't talk yeah. about diet. The it's vegan like, community true. is insane. It's like, insane. they are insane. Yeah. Even, like, as someone who, like, know. eats mostly vegan, like, I put a thing on Twitter as a joke. Uh-oh. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, you know, like, uh, oh, JoJo's yeah, yeah, Cat, yeah, yeah, Bitch, yeah. I'm a Cow. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we made a thriller to Bitch, I'm a Cow while we were having bubble tea. <laughs> and then I was, like, I made this thing. I was, like, vegan say, blah, 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 like, a paragraph. And then it was, like, us. And then it was just us dancing to bubble tea. It was, tea. like, vegan say milk is, yeah. I was yeah. thinking about milk. Milk and, is the possum well, cows. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, the first thing I got was a hate. And I'm, like, you're clearly just, like, Googling vegan. And, yeah. like, just Yeah, kinda... it's, like, why are you seeking that out? Especially, like, oh, like people guys, seek it out. You guys that, it. like, search feminists just to get mad on yeah. YouTube yeah. and, to, like, comment on your videos. It's, like, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. why do you want your blood to, like, I don't boil search, like, like pro-Trump. Like, no, I, don't, like, I avoid that because it's scary. I live scary. in a filter bubble. I, yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, yeah I yeah. definitely do, too. But I think, like, in terms of um, how to deal with the hate, first of all, the hate that comes from, like, guys like, oh, I'm a white Christian man, like, yeah. those guys, it really doesn't hurt my feelings it doesn't bother me I think it's kind of funny but the hate that comes from people within the community that's the stuff that I'm like okay I need to actually like look at what they're saying Mm -hmm. and I remember when I um made that video about uh veganism 
I a lot of the criticism was like you didn't watch the video, like you don't know what you're talking about. But there was some criticism from a community of black vegans, and they were saying because I mentioned I was talking a bit about how part of the um, issue with requiring veganism is that there are areas that are food deserts, right? That like mm-hmm. don't have easy access to um, like healthy like fresh vegetables and stuff. Um, and I think they understood that as somehow me sort of saying that like black people couldn't be vegan or something like that, which like I wasn't trying to say, but it did make me like stop and be like, okay, wait, this is like actually a group of people or like someone Mm -hmm. who I want to actually hear what they're trying to say and like incorporate it. And it's made me more aware of when I talk about this, like I don't want to put all vegans into like white vegans, you know, like there there are, it's more diverse than that. And like, it is more complex than just saying like all vegans are militant all you know they're all super privileged because like you know you couldn't have that diet without have i mean you have to have some degree of privilege cuz it's expensive i think but mm-hmm. um it's it's more complicated basically so those kinds of comments are really helpful because like they allow me to learn perspectives that i didn't consider even though when i was making that video and many of my other videos i was um working for everyday feminism so it would go through like editors and like people would like look at what I'm going to say and make sure that I'm not like going to go off the rails but I remember when yeah <laughs> like Rush Limbaugh like, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah so uh another thing that I think is interesting in terms of talking about allyship when I had that response to that video I mean it was like it was like one sort of Facebook group I think that took issue with it and I was concerned that I had like fucked up I was like okay I need to seriously consider like is this video like a problem um so I reached out to my editor at the time who's a white woman and I was like okay here's the thing like the other comments don't bother me this one sort of uh response is making me concerned it was basically just one thread on their Facebook group I think um but they like had tagged me or something so I saw it and I was like okay like can you look at this and maybe like discuss it with like the other people or whatever and she was basically like, um, I'm glad that you came to me because when you're like, because it was sort of like partially an emotional reaction where I was like, I'm freaked out. Like, yeah. did, like, did I fuck up? Like, should we take it down? Kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like the natural reaction. But she was basically like, it's good that you came to me because as another white person, like, that's where those feelings of like, I'm freaked out should yeah. go. Like, they shouldn't go. Like, I shouldn't look for comfort in, like, a racialized person okay. in my life by being like, that's tell true. me I'm not racist. You yeah, know? Like, yeah the, that's so that's true. That's the thing is, like, it's easy that's to so think, true. like, I'm going to ask someone who, like, is part of that community and they can confirm that I'm a good person. But really, that's not what it's about. It's yeah. not about your own comfort of being like, I'm not racist. It's like, okay, is this a serious problem? Can we figure this out together? And then, like, if we can't figure it out, then we'll ask someone who knows better. But um, ultimately, at that point, it was just kind of me needing to, like, have an outlet of being, like, I'm scared that, yeah. like, I've made a mistake. Yeah. And she ended up taking it to, like, the other editors, which is, like, a very diverse group of people. And uh, they were, like, no, we don't think there's a problem. They watched the video. They discussed it. They were, like, it's a valid criticism, but it's not, like, you know, they've taken down videos before, but they didn't think it was worth taking down. Um so, yeah, it was like a learning experience of being yeah. like, oh, this is where those feelings should go. Kind of like I shouldn't burden someone mm-hmm. in that group with those feelings just for my own comfort, you know? Yeah. 
I feel like also that was really all yeah. good points. But <laughs> one point that I really wanted to touch with you is because you've been dating the same person like since you were sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. So one thing about being an ally, one of the biggest questions is like, how can you teach other people? Yeah. Um, and I always wonder like when I'm dating someone, like, is it my duty to almost teach them to be an ally? Or, and like, how was that experience for you? Because assuming that when you were 16, you weren't as educated as you are now. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So as you started reading more about feminism, as you started reading more about like how to be a better person. Yeah. Like how was his reaction? Um, And like, obviously you're not dating now, but like if you had to like date now, like if you were to be Mm. single now, how would you navigate dating and like trying to be a good ally and like trying to, like meet another yeah. ally really yeah because it's like you don't want to date someone that potentially is yeah. like has problematic views on things that you care about yeah yeah absolutely i also think this is an interesting question because i've talked about this recently um with my friends who are out there trying to date people and um i think there's this sort of like thing in our culture that women are expected to like make men that they date better people like we're supposed to like educate them like mold them make them better whereas men just like <laughs> tired <laughs> like I'm tired bro like, I'm just, like, so men, it's like you know the woman is just supposed to be perfect when they meet right like yeah. th- there's yeah. no improvement needed they're just supposed to be like wifey immediately right and yeah. it's just unfair that we are expected like men are always works in progress and that's just okay for them yeah. so I think that um, I have taught my partner so much. I mean, we have, like, he's learned so much from me on these issues because as I learned, I was like, listen, this is how it is now. I'm no longer shaving. Like, all the <laughs> yeah, yeah. that I went through, you know, like, I'm like, you know, this is like, when I got introduced to feminism, it was all of those sort of, like, stereotypical, like, first responses where I'm, like, very militant about all these things. And thankfully, he was, like, open and like willing to take those things on but there's still lots of times where I have to call him on shit and be like you know that kind of thinking isn't okay or like you don't ever use the word bitch derogatorily is that a word (laughs) Uh, toward a woman like just you can't use like I'm not allowing you to use that word like things like that like I have to sort of redirect him but he understands that it's sort of like a process and I think part of what helps our dynamic is that he just has this view of me of just being way smarter than him which isn't true but like he has that view so like whenever I like say things he's just like okay like uh uh-huh like say that again that's what I need (laughs) if you think I'm way smarter than you date me (laughs) that's really rare by the way yeah Yeah, that's really really rare it's really rare to one have someone that like will listen to especially a man like and a man thinking that you're smarter than him I know. Yeah. It is rare, From my honestly. knowledge, I, Tyler is cisgendered white, you know, male. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's very weird. It's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you that you're like this? You just, what a you molded him from 16, I guess. Yeah. 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 So and I mean, I think it has helped that I was also super ignorant and didn't yeah. know a lot when we met. So we learned together. Like, I brought a lot of stuff to his attention that he wasn't aware of because he wasn't, like, big into Tumblr in the way that I was, for instance. But... Um, it, it's different I think like if I were to be dating now and I met someone who knew as little about feminism um, and those issues as he did when we met I mean he was like 18 uh, like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't entertain the idea of like okay starting from yeah, you know ground yeah. zero square like, one yeah exactly like I wouldn't be like I'm gonna take it upon myself yeah. to like teach this man everything yeah. but because we were learning I was teaching as I was learning kind of thing 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it was more of like, wow, I just learned about this thing that I didn't know about. Or like, you know, can you believe this sort of inequality or whatever? Mm -hmm. It was more... I don't know, mutual in some mm-hmm. way. And it didn't feel like work to me because I was just excited about what I was sort of coming to know about myself and about like feminism and stuff like that. How mm-hmm. do you navigate dating, Lydia? Yeah. Like I don't. In terms I'm of philophobic. I mean like, yeah, see? <laughs> I'm totally philophobic. But also, <laughs> right up again. <laughs> yeah, I'm philophobic. Don't go my DMs. I'm going to scream. Um, but yeah, I'm working on it. But um, I think for me, I think one thing is, is like I've said this a million times, like being honest about yourself in all aspects helps you so much in your relationships in mm. life because the right people will come towards you. Like, I don't think ignorant guys, like honestly, I was talking about this with Dina, like I don't particularly attract like extremely smart men <laughs> because like there's few, they're they're few. very few. <laughs> but like I will attract a lot of guys who are fake woke like they won't they'll, mm. they'll at least be fake about it like they won't <laughs> they won't come to me like they'll put on a facade yeah. because like they know yeah. guy that's like outwardly misogynistic would fuck with me because or sorry for trying to keep it clean for oh. westerns Fuck, did we swear? I forgot. I swore. It's okay. I definitely swore. It's okay. It's fine. What's it for? They can bleep it out. Yeah, they can bleep it out. Oh, for the radio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it clean on the radio? Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. Bleep it out. Bleep it out, guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they'll at least be fake about it, so I think it's, I don't know, not that it's a positive thing, but I think that like- Do you think it's better for them to be fake up front or just like- Okay. I feel like if you're fake about it- but it's only because you're, like, nervous and then you, like, are willing to listen. Mm. Then maybe it's not okay. that bad. But I feel like it'd be the best if you were, like, I'm ignorant and I'm willing to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like I thing. might be in a position now in my life because I'm, you know, so young and fresh. That, <laughs> like, that, right like, 20 if, years old. Right 20 year old. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like if I met someone. I also, like, I a lot of guys are age, like, they're not, you know. They don't. They're, they're just not scholars. They don't care about. <laughs> they don't care about oppression. Like they don't yeah. care, especially if it. Like I think it says a lot about you when you care about issues that don't affect you. Yeah. And I think a as lot of women, maturity is required. Yeah. And as women, we have that. And yeah. as women, yeah. also, you do experience like as like a like say as a white woman, you would experience one form of oppression. So I think it makes you more yeah. susceptible yeah. to be empathetic towards other forms of oppression because you do experience one form. Um, but when yeah, it that's comes, definitely a phenomenon. Like uh, in terms of. Uh, in philosophy, there's sort of, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but in the study, it's called epistemology, the study of knowledge and how we know. Mm. And um, there's sort of a theory of that if you are in a marginalized group or an oppressed group, you have sort of a better ability to understand other people's struggles. Like, you know, if to put it in sort of like everyday language, like you can put yourself in other people's shoes easier because you have experienced some kind of oppression. So that's a real thing that sort of in a way gives people in an oppressed position um, a better, like they are more able to sort of understand things that people in a privileged position uh, can't understand. So it's sort of like in a way like a benefit, like that sounds yeah. wrong, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. it gives you something that, you know, it's like an unintended benefit of yeah. being put in that sort of yeah position. All yeah. of your experiences shape you, and so those can just contribute to like your empathetic bone in your body, I guess. Sure. But um, what are we talking about? Dating? But yeah, dating. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's really difficult, and sometimes I will like avoid talking. I'll try to avoid talking about things that I know are like automatic, mm-hmm. like 
red flags for me. Music is a like, total giveaway. Yeah. You think? Yeah. No. If you listen to XX, well, sorry, y'all. Okay, I'm not yeah. Drop names. But like, <laughs> if, if you <laughs> listen to certain problematic <laughs> oh. artists, I will know immediately that you're like, yeah. you're a rape okay. apologist. You're going to say the XX. I was like, oh. Oh no, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I clued in after. I'm like, I thought you were gonna be like. <laughs> no, I thought you were gonna be like. If they listen to Frank Ocean, like he's woke. The opposite. The opposite. No, the opposite. For sure. Yeah, that's true. But like. It's just hard. Like, I'll try to, like, not talk about certain things. And then... But then it'll come out. Just in, yeah. like... Not not even so, like, aggressively, but more in, like, a microaggression. Mm. will come out in, like, uh, small comments and things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely deal breakers when I am dating someone. But I think if someone has a willingness to learn and grow and be like, hey, I'm kind of ignorant, but, like, I want to learn from you and I really respect you and things like that, it's okay. But at the same time, it's no one's duty to inform you because I was ignorant at some point and I took it upon myself to learn like there's so many resources at your fingertips just because you don't have like like you're not like in women's studies or something like you I learned so much from Twitter and I'm just gonna say that if you have a Twitter account don't don't ask me about anything like you can look it up read a book Go yeah. on a top, like, I don't know, is Tumblr still a thing? I don't know. But, like, Ar- go, ours, is. Ar- ours is, ask <laughs> us questions. Yeah. Um, like, even YouTube videos, podcasts. Like, there's so, there's much, so much knowledge at your fingertips. Yeah. So, like, on one side, it's, like, no one has that burden of explaining their experience to you. No one has that burden of being, like, a representative. A rep- representative of like me being a representative of like black woman like I, I I don't have to do that for you, but if you want to like I don't it's no one's duty but if yeah. you if you have I think that if in you, you then personally feel like that person is worth it yeah then like sure do it but like don't do it because you feel like you obligated have to do it. yeah exactly. yeah as like a feminist I have to be this yeah that's yeah it's far too exhausting to mm-hmm. do that I mean ultimately like if I took it as my duty as a feminist to educate every man like it just I just don't have yeah. the time to I, do also it, the lessons know? run out you know like yeah. you're going on a couple of dates he's asking just certain questions after a certain time like you have to set it upon yourself to like do the research like I'm this is the yeah. life our dating is not like class yeah it's like you like, have to do something too it's not just yeah. me you found out that uh, misogynoir exists okay go google it when you yeah get like, like we can have yeah. a conversation yeah. about it Now discussing um, when you dish a friendship when they're problematic. So this is something that I realized within myself that was a huge problem, and I only realized it like a couple of days ago when I was having this conversation <laughs> a with Dina. A couple of days. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I was talking to Dina, and I was saying how like there's certain things that people will say that I know for sure, even if it is a little slick comment, I'll cut them off. Yeah. So things like um, if you're a rape apologist, if you're racist, mm-hmm. if you're sexist, and like not to particularly point out a group but I feel like because we're black and like I hang out with a lot of black people like the black community is really homophobic and transphobic Mm. so like sometimes comments will be made and I'll I have had a history of being like 
annoyed when they, those comments that are made. Mm-hmm. And maybe I will take it upon myself to like say something, but I might not cut that person out. Yeah. And I realize the reason why I cut people out because I am scared of like my life when I'm around them. Mm. So like if you're a rape apologist, then I don't want to hang out with you because then I feel scared around you. Like if yeah. I don't trust you with my life, same thing with sexism and like racism. But the reason why I think I wasn't cutting off people for being transphobic and homophobic is because it doesn't apply to me. Mm, that's really so, insightful. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, oh, this is a bias that I carry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah. So like, I don't know. It's hard. I think for me overall, when I want to cut someone off is now I'm adding that to my uh, list. But also, um, if they actually want to learn. Yeah. I'm not particularly here to educate you, but if you take in the comment that I'm giving you and being like, oh, actually, you know, you're right. Like, maybe I'll think about this. Then maybe I wouldn't cut you off. But I think that I only cut people off when they're, like, extremely defensive at first sight. And I'm like, hey. Yeah, I also think it depends on the friendship and how invested in the friendship you are. I mean, (laughs) it's like this meme that I saw recently that's like, you ever have that moment, you know, in The Sims where someone says something and you see, like, negative friendship points like, yeah. floating above them. Like sometimes you meet someone and you're like, they seem cool. And then like in the first or second conversation with them, they like say things and you're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to pursue this yeah. any further kind of thing. But if it's someone that, you know, has been in your life for a long time or you've gone to know in some other capacity and then like they show a different side to them that you don't like, I think then it's sort of like, okay, you want to invest energy into making this person aware yeah, that of when true. they're yeah. messing up. But again, like you can't do that for literally everyone you come across. So it's sort of like picking your battles in a way. Um, like what, who, I guess those are who you actually consider friends and who are just like acquaintances. Yeah, levels. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But definitely like with like long-term friends or like family is like a whole other issue. A whole other so, issue. A whole other kettle of fish. It's hard being yeah. the most socially aware member of your family. Yeah. Always tell me about it. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. And it's hard to have those conversations constantly. Like mm-hmm. I'm visiting home right now. It's hard. Every time I'm home, it's just constant debates. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't want to just like give in and be like whatever because I strongly disagree and I want to make my perspective heard on whatever issue it is. But it's very tiring, and it's not people that I can or want to cut out of my life because they're they're family, they're like immediate family. So it's really tricky. And I know some people who are like, you know, just cut off their immediate family if they are, you know, being harmful in those ways. And I think like that's valid too. Like there are reasons why you should or could cut off someone in your family, but it's not. I don't feel like that's something I want to do. So it's more like, you know having the space to do that constant work with those people and not letting things slide just because you're like well they'll never learn you know it's sort of Mm -hmm. like and it's hard it's hard work it's I mean it's easier now that I'm not living at home but when I come home it's like a reminder of like all of these things you know like like going on my parents like home computer and seeing like all the Jordan Peterson videos that they've been watching and I'm just like can we discuss this and like have to like tell them like how he's like just horrible in so many ways. And I'm like, you know, even though I tell them next time I go home, like it's still there. And it's like, I have to have the conversation again because I just don't feel like at some point, you know, maybe you can give up, but Mm -hmm. I I haven't hit that point yet. Yeah. I mean, that's valiant of you. Like it's (laughs) hard. Yeah. 
even like before you get into yours, you know, like it's hard because now that I'm thinking about it, like allyship is so like built on just like a strong love for like the people you want to protect and mm. the people you want to educate. Like it's just like built on this fact that you want to like see better. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when you're like, I want to show you what we can do to be a better world. Yeah. And they just, it's just not translating, mm-hmm. especially when it's people of your own community. Like it boggles my mind when I feel like, especially with feminism, yeah. I feel like this happens more with feminism when like other women are like against feminism or they're like, I'm not like other girls. Like yeah. I'm into feminism. I'm like, are you sick? <laughs> like, it's like, even when you're saying those words, I'm still fighting for you though, because it's like, I'm yeah. still trying to yeah, make the world totally. a better place. And it's so frustrating that you don't even put respect on my name. Mm-hmm. But your disrespect, yeah, like, it's just, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. Yeah. And as much as I think you're right that, like, truly being an ally is comes from a place of wanting better, not just for yourself, but for people who are different than you. But I also think that in terms of being, like, a sort of fake or bad ally, a lot of times people, or, like, fake woke, I guess, it's they do it sort of, like, for the cookies, like, for yeah. the, the cred that it gives yeah. them. Like, look, I'm a good person. Yeah. And... Um, thinking you're sort of like above those issues. I think that's probably if I was going to say like my number one thing, if I was going to tell someone, like I was trying to think before this, like how would I tell someone to try to, or help someone be a better ally? Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing is don't think you're above racism, sexism. Like these things are ingrained in our culture and we are so socialized. Like, as a white person, I have been socialized to be racist. I am not, you know, mm-hmm. like I have to unlearn it actively. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't sort of think that because like I don't, you know, consciously or intentionally like hate black people that therefore I'm not racist and therefore I can, you know, you know, use like racial slurs or like make racist jokes or whatever it is because like, I'm not racist. So like it's fine. You know, it's ironic or sarcastic or whatever. Because ultimately, this is part of our culture, and we have to work against it all the time. Yeah. Like, that's ultimately what it comes down to. So if you think you're above it, or you think you've figured it out, you know, you're like, well, I don't hate, you know, this group, so I'm not whatever it is. It's so much more than that. It's so much more subtle than that. Um, And that would be my biggest sort of recommendation to to other white people I guess to say like don't think that you're above racism for instance and um like learn about it and don't uh take it for granted that you are um you know for instance that you aren't racist you have to be anti-racist like you have to actively do that yeah that Mm -hmm. part yeah I think it's just like yeah like people don't realize that like your problematic behavior and all your isms come on a continuum and there is like microaggressions and then there is like there's like the other side where it's like really like violence and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um so just because you say like hey i'm not homophobic but like i don't want a gay son or like something like that like it's just like it's all like they're all bad they're all like everything is bad you retweeting a joke that has subtle like homophobia transphobia is bad yeah it's still bad like when i was in high school 10 years ago I just <laughs> <laughs> drop it um when I was in high school it was it was very popular to say like that's so gay yeah like, as a as a derogatory thing and um I've never actively or consciously hated uh gay people <laughs> like that's never been something I wasn't raised in that way but 
I would use that. And, mm-hmm. like, I did mean it derogatorily. Again, is that <laughs> word. Um, and it wasn't until I, uh, when I was in undergrad, I volunteered at the sexual assault center. And we did this, like, whole, like, 40 hours of training. And they used this um, example of saying, like, um, like, using, for instance, gay as a slur. They're like, okay, even if you mean it, like, completely neutrally, even if you are joking when you say it, don't think about necessarily that you you might be saying it to someone who is gay. Like, that could happen. But the actual issue comes from the fact that you could be saying it to or saying it around someone who is homophobic and who is validated in their thinking by hearing that. So that was really, like, awakening to me because I was sort of like, well, I don't associate with homophobes. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, my friends aren't homophobic, so it doesn't matter if I say... I mean, at that point, I wasn't saying it. But, like, you know, that was sort of what my thinking was. And it was sort of like... It's not just about that. It's also about the effect beyond your your own one-to-one, you know, interpersonal interactions. It's mm-hmm. bigger than that. Um, and I think that's that's huge, is realizing that your words can have effects beyond the person you're saying them to mm-hmm. and that they can um, confirm other people's isms or, like, mm-hmm. biases that they might hold. For sure. But then – oh, sorry. No, no it's okay. Uh, I Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, because I was just going to try to dive into the question of, like – I think it's hard because everybody thinks they're doing their best. Like, everybody, even with the cookies, like, they still think they're doing their best. And so it's hard. I think there have been situations where I have seen someone truly have good intent, Mm -hmm. but their actions were bad. And it's very hard to explain to someone why they're doing bad. So it's like, is are they forgiven because of their intent? Or, like, or do you feel like, you know, regardless of the intent this person is either like canceled or like let's say Lena Dunham was like my intent is she the one person that did the this is what a feminist looks like shirt or was that somebody else I know there's like a lot of idea okay there's a lot of people who are doing shit but like for example that person who created the shirt that says this is what a feminist yeah. looks like like we understand the intent of like trying to normalize yeah. the word feminist and etc but obviously the action of like getting these women in uh, sweatshops to create these shirts is like right. very yeah like it's a very mm-hmm. idiot idea yeah um it's backwards it's very, thinking. Yeah, it's very yeah. yeah so you know in those cases like how do we handle intent yeah intention is so interesting because we i think generally as a society we tend to value consequences more than intention it's sort of like or sorry we value intention more than consequences we're sort of like well you know like legally we value sort of like what the person's mindset was what they were trying to accomplish and um i think that consequences are undervalued as what matters and i think that i recently had this conversation with my dad where i forget what we were talking about oh we were talking about like an old british show that he had like come across that's like he was like oh, like, you should watch this show. It's so racist. Like, it'll make you so mad. All this stuff. I'm like, he's just trying to, like, upset me. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch that, but okay. And he's like, but the interesting thing, because the show was made in, like, the 70s or something, and he's like, the interesting thing, like, they clearly had just the intention of making people laugh. Like, um, I think someone is dressed, like, in brown face in the show, and he's like, they weren't, like, trying to be racist. And I'm like, I had to explain to him, like, intentions are one thing, but they're not the only thing that matter. And in fact often when it comes to these kinds of issues consequences matter more there is harm that comes from actions and it doesn't really matter what the intentions were as long as there is harm done 
And that's what I learned, for instance, from when I did like Day of the Dead makeup when I was, you know, on mm -hmm. Tumblr like many years ago. My intentions were like, this is beautiful. Like, I think this makeup is beautiful. And it wasn't to appropriate someone else's someone else's culture. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. So it was only until I learned what the harms were of appropriation that I was like, oh, it doesn't matter that I was doing it out of appreciation. It doesn't really matter that I was just trying to like make a pretty picture and my intentions weren't to harm anyone because it does ultimately, like in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that will take like a big shift, I think, in people's thinking to stop thinking about only what the person meant by their action and think about what the action actually caused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard someone talk about it on a VidCon panel um, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, but they were talking about like the issue of intent. Like, you know, um, this woman got cornrows and her intent was to just look cute, but she understood She doesn't understand that it's actually harmful. Yeah. And someone had brought up this idea of like, if I step on your shoe, like, you know, I, I, my intent was not to step on your shoe, but regardless of that, I'm going to say sorry. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that that's important to know. Like, I don't know. Like, I get why someone would go off. I feel like sometimes intent is an excuse. Like, mm. instead of apologizing, you'll be like, but I meant well. And it's yeah. like, it's okay if you meant well, but just like, you have to acknowledge where you went wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, I think just to like wrap up, I don't know what your final thoughts on allyship are. I think for me, um, it's difficult to stand up for things, especially when they don't necessarily affect you directly. For sure. Um, yeah. Especially when it's with people that you care about and love. But you're never going to feel bad about standing up for something. Like, it's it's only going to make you feel better at the end. And I know that it's difficult, but, like, just try to use whatever privilege that you do have in a positive way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the whole point of allyship is just to end oppression in all the isms right so i think that's a valiant goal to like work towards yeah. as a society and then i think like one of the biggest points to also be a good ally is like just like putting your pride and ego aside like it's not about you yeah. it's not about these people attacking you like it's about a greater idea and a greater movement and a greater world so yeah ego and pride is bad point blank period but like especially when we're talking about oppression like it's never a you problem it's like a thing so yeah it's not about you it's about the institution yeah it's about the institution yeah. and that's like a huge point like yeah me like reeking from like the example i kind of gave earlier about like being like christian and like reeking from that privilege going to school like maybe i was insensitive and that was my fault but also like i was institutionally like brought up to mm -hmm. feel like my holidays are valid therefore i get school off and yours is something that you call for yeah so yeah. yeah. I think for me, um, my final thoughts would be that listening, especially coming from a place of privilege, is the most important thing that you can do is to listen. I feel like generally, I mean, I, as, as much as I make YouTube videos and talk about this stuff, I try to listen way more than I speak on these things just because I have so much more that I can learn. I feel like I spoke more on this podcast than I normally would. Like if, <laughs> yeah, if we were okay. just, That's what we, we were interviewing <laughs> you. Yeah. Like if we were sitting in a room just talking without like it being for this, I would have listened a lot more mm. sort of like being quiet a lot more, I think. But I'm also trying to like be a part of the company. Yeah, yeah. But I think like listening is important and using your privilege, but also recognizing your privilege, which um, you know, there's the obvious things like, you know, I know I'm white. I know I'm, you know, able-bodied, like all of these things that 
we can know them on a surface level, like you could list them off, but to really know them on a more subtle level and sort of like unpack all of the like little things like um, that might be excluding other people. For instance, when I was TAing a class last year, a student brought it to mine and the uh, professor's attention that like the way the class was structured really um, is problematic for students who work full-time jobs and it, it really privileges those students who are financially able to not work during school and it, it's those kinds of like privileges that you don't really think when you're you know when you're running a class or something but you have to think about those like there are going to be moms in the class there are going to be people who work full-time and these are things that take a lot of thought so you have to put the energy into thinking through all of those subtle privileges so that you can make your the spaces that you create or enter uh, better places and not just enter and like take up all the space there yeah wow this is a really this good this was such a good episode <laughs> like, oh my gosh i'm so glad we had this thank you so much celia for being yeah, on thank you for being me. on it yeah um, i know celia for a long time <laughs> yeah since you were like 14 yeah i was talking about that earlier yeah yeah oh that's so cutie I'm so, I'm so proud of you, yeah. honestly. <laughs> put this in the end. Like, yeah, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, guys, so please cute. make sure you are subscribed to us on our YouTube. Yay. Woo. So, make sure you guys uh, click the YouTube. bell notification button to make sure you guys know when we upload. It'll always be the same time as we have, um, like, the SoundCloud. Yeah. So, every other Sunday yeah. is when we usually upload. Um, follow us on SoundCloud, please. S- subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. We need to shout out our girl Natalie because she's the one that left a review. It was Natalie, right? Oh yeah. Oh she my god. Because we said if in the last podcast we said if you leave a review and you say sick, we're gonna give you a shout out. So yeah, you get a shout out. You get a shout out, Natalie. Um, whoever yes. leaves the funniest review, we'll just like read it. Yeah, we'll read it out loud next time in the beginning of the episode from now on. Um, yeah, and even comment, out. like comment down below. Comment. And guys, don't be scared to give us feedback. Like we want to hear comments. We love bumping into you guys and telling us what you liked, what you didn't like, but we want to see it on our feed just because a lot of you guys have the same comment. So it'd be nice to like see how, like see the reply and then we don't have yeah. to like talk to you guys all individually, you know? Yeah. Or like if you <laughs> have like, have yeah, because I'm not <laughs> trying to. But yeah. No, no, no. But like also a lot of people have like, oh, we just love the podcast, but it's like, what do you love about it? What do you not like about it? Think of specific things because that's how we like create the best content mm. is to know where we're doing things right and where we like need to stop and like, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, if you're listening on Radio Western, hey. Um, Sorry that we had to bleep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if we had to bleep out some of our swears. We're not used to being censored, so. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.